What's up and welcome to the Very Best Self Podcast. I'm your host, Victoria Brown. Tune in each week as I have candid conversations with inspiring humans, including athletes, entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and anyone out there making waves. Get ready to leave your comfort zone behind, step into your power, and live a more purpose-driven life. I am so happy that you're here. Now let's do this. Welcome back to the Very Best Self Pod. It's your girl. It's Victoria. I'm so happy that you're here. Uh, Today, I have Trish Barrios on the pod, and I am very excited for it because she is another mental health advocate and someone who, you know, has been very, very public um, in her struggles with anxiety. And she even went as far as to write a memoir about her struggles with anxiety and has dedicated her Instagram to her personal struggles with mental health and taking away the stigma around mental health. And so we're going to get into all of it today. Um, Also, going to chat a little bit further in an opposite direction about We'll call it, we'll call it the choice to be a mother or not, um, and her take on that. So uh, all the stuff today, uh, there's a lot of moments that really cause you to think, I think. Um, and I really love her perspective that she shares. And so I'm excited for you to get to know Trish today. So let's dive in. All right. So today I have Trish Barias on the podcast and I'm so excited to have you on. Um, Trish is shows up on her social media platform, very vulnerably talking honestly, openly uh, about her personal struggles with anxiety and really releasing the stigma around those things. And that's a huge reason why I wanted to have you on today, because I know that Anxiety is something that we all face. And so I just, I'm so happy to hear your perspective on this and just to have you on today. Thank you for having me. I love speaking about all things anxiety. And obviously, as you said, I'm open to sharing all parts of my life. Yeah. And I think that's such a beautiful thing because, you know, when it, when it comes to anxiety, like I think so many people out there are just experiencing this in a singular way. They're thinking that they are alone in the feelings that they have. Or I think a lot of times people might feel like, you know, they experience anxiety and that there's something wrong with them, that they're not equipped to deal with the stress in the same way that maybe other people are, or especially in the age of social media, where it seems like everybody you look at has their shit together, which is obviously not the case. Um, But, you know, how is that, you know, in terms of people not feeling alone and knowing that what they're going through, what they experience internally is not, doesn't make them abnormal. And what are your thoughts around that? So this is a great question because all the time, um, as a coach, I really kind of focus on vocabulary. So I say anxious versus non-anxious people, right? Mm -hmm. Because a lot of people that are anxious strive for this quote unquote normal. Like I just want to feel normal. Um, And I've never met a normal person in my life, to be honest, right? I know. What is even, what is normal? What is normal? I mean, just this past 19 months, like there is no such thing as normal. So I feel as though the reason I went into, you know, showing my, my life and my struggles with anxiety was because of how much I personally suffered silently. And for those people who knew me uh, in corporate America and as this like badass uh, nightclub manager, nobody would ever think 
that this was something that plagued me and that really kind of disrupted my everyday life. So when, you know, wellness really hit the uh, social media platform, because we didn't have any of this whilst I was growing up. I mean, I didn't even have a computer in college. I had a typewriter, right? No. Yeah. Like a old school, whatever. So I felt that this was an opportunity to let people not feel alone, not feel that they can't voice how they're how they're feeling in terms of, you know, as an anxious person, what you are experiencing would be the norm, right? For the, those of us that are anxious sufferers. So it's why I speak about it. If it helps at least one person to feel less alone or to even get them to be actionable, right? And to take um, their mental health in their own hands and, and get the right help that they might need. Yeah, I think that's so, so important. Um, and just that you're willing to share that you struggled. And what was that like when you first started taking steps to share your personal story? And if you wouldn't mind sharing some of your own personal story around, you know, your personal struggles, like you share with your followers, um, I'd love to hear that. It, what I, I'll be honest, I didn't really think this through. I was like, oh, I'm going to write this book. And it was your memoir, me, yeah. a, a me and a bunch of my friends. Um, I had just quit my cushy corporate job. And I was like, what's my purpose, right? Like, I, I, have, a, I have a bigger purpose and let's just do it. So I quit already with a trip planned to Hawaii. So I had no business being in Hawaii as an unemployed person, but we went and then my friends were like, Hey, why don't you write a book on Instagram and let it unfold? And I thought, well, you know, either people will read it or they won't. I'll have like 20 followers or, or, you know, 20,000. So I started that slowly and that really felt like baby steps because it wasn't like, you know, all of a sudden everybody's reading my, my personal journey. But as I started writing more and sharing everything and they're cliff notes, right? So it's not, it doesn't read as a book or a novel. It's literally cliff notes to help someone get through times of panic, severe anxiety, uncertainty. And then um, it kind of went on from there. And then everybody was talking about it. And then someone approached me to help me self-publish. So once I self-published and then everyone knew, like people I worked with, people I went to high school with, everybody, that happened quite quick. And uh, my mom said to me, I, but they say, you know, everybody's going to know. And I was like, oh, they're all going to know. They're all going to know. So I did freak out. Um, I got anxious about it. I got anxious about writing an anxiety book. I mean, severe. My book launch, I had like five panic attacks that day because it was like, oh my God, I'm allowing this out in the world. And it's not for everyone. It's not, you know, written the way that other people would like a novel or self-help to be written, but it was written for a version of myself that I needed because the suffering that I had uh, through college, I lost like 25 pounds. I was 70 pounds and I was either going to go to hospital or move back home because I was away at school. My relationship suffered. Um, I was very codependent. I started getting almost agoraphobic because I was now scared of everything on the outside world. So for me, that step of writing this book on Instagram, 
then publishing it, then getting through everybody kind of knowing. And then at that point, we still were, weren't really fully talking about, you know, anxiety the way we do today, right? Pandemic has really, you know, busted open those doors on mental health. Sure. So um, it was really, it, it was a risk. I knew what was happening. Anyone I dated at the time, I was like, so this is my life. I have generalized anxiety disorder, panic disorder, OCD tendencies, and you'll read about it. And if you follow me, you'll hear about it. So I just decided to own it and just throw it out there and see what happens. And then through that, it felt that everyone else that was like me, what it was helping. And then that's what kind of stayed the course. And I'd already, I'd always been a life coach. I just didn't ever coach that much on anxiety because nobody wanted to talk about it. Wow. Nobody wanted to talk about it. And it is crazy how we've definitely opened the lid on that because now, I mean, it's commonplace to talk about anxiety literally all the time. Um, and, you know, I think it's such, it's such a, a powerful thing to own your story, to own your truth, right? To really call out the elephant in the room. And so many amazingly beautiful, incredible things can happen when we own our stories, right? When we own, like, this is something that I struggle with. This is something that I go through. This is who I am. Like, especially when, and when it comes to, like dating and things like that, you're like, this is, this is what I'm coming to the table with, like, take it or leave it. Like, I'm not trying to hide any pieces or any parts of myself or who I am. And, and there's a lot of me to love here. Um, if, if you're willing and, and that's, you know, that's just kind of it. Um, and I think what I take from what you said as well is, gosh, there's so many different ways. And I'd love to hear what your tips and tricks for coping with, um, anxiety disorder are, but, you know, from what I heard is like, you, it seems like healed yourself in a lot of ways. And of course, we're always on this journey. You're not ever just healed. Right. Um, but you healed yourself in a lot of ways. It sounds like by putting pen to paper and there's a reason why people say that journaling is so powerful. There's a reason why people say like, you know, don't allow thoughts to just circulate in your head. Um, because then we go down this rabbit hole and we begin to swirl. Um, there's a reason why people say, right down what you're feeling, um, and just the power of pen to paper. And so do you, would you say that that is something that like truly helped guide you in, on your journey to healing? So I love the journey of healing. Like you said, it never stops, right? We're consistently evolving, especially women as our hormones are changing. I mean, we're, we're always having to adapt so I love, I always call it like a tribe of healers, right? So I have my tribe of healers that I call upon when I'm going through big transitions in life. And I've done holistic. Um, I'm on, you know, I've done the med journey. I have no shame saying that I'm on meds. I embrace it. When you look, when you stick to your true, true self, right? You're free. You're free mm -hmm. of trying to always mask or trying to over explain or trying to fit into something that's not your thing, right? So as I got more comfortable and open with exactly knowing who the fuck I am, my friends, my family, it, if I'm like, hey, I'm having a bad mental health day, I'm having severe panic, that's it, no questions asked, I get left alone, someone checks in the next day, and it's like nothing happened, right? It's everybody knows what to do. Um, my husband knows how to react. My family does. And it's, it's just a part of life. Right. Um, 
the journaling, I've always been someone that's pen to paper to this day. Uh, that's how I express myself. Feelings aren't facts. And that's one of the things about anxiety is that it's a mental prison because it's our head, it's our brain, it's our thoughts going against us because we're it's nothing outside of us really. So when I think about the journaling, I really love figuring out, you know, where are you currently, right? Like get present because anxiety is in the past or in the future. So, oh, I should have done that. I should have said this. What if this happens? What if I have a panic attack? What if it's brain cancer? I mean, we can do that all day and that just perpetuates the anxiety versus staying present, which is what the journaling really helps with. And you kind mm -hmm. of just stay grounded and finding your grounding, which looks different for everybody, right? Like everybody's grounding is going to be different and pen to paper is one of my favorites. And that has, that has always helped me. Yeah. I'm the same in that term, in that regard. I love just to sit and brain dump and write uh, pen to paper is really helpful. Um, and meditation of course really helps you come to the present moment. Um, I think there's, you know, I, I love, I love how I, th I think we think kind of similarly in terms of like, you know, not using the word normal, trying not to use that word, um, and how everyone defines things differently. Um, because we, you know, the human experience for each person is so incredibly different. Um, and so the way that I, I think there's not really, if you ask me like one specific definition of what anxiety is, to be honest, um, I'm curious to hear like exactly like how you would define it personally. Oh. Per, in, in my own personal opinion, I always say anxiety is like an onion, right? There's so many layers because even though our symptoms tend to be similar, the racing heart, the sweaty palms, people um, evacuate their bowels, some people convulse, the triggers are so specific to each individual. Mm. So your trigger will be different than my trigger. And there's just layers of anxiety. Some people have social anxiety, health anxiety, OCD, GAD, panic disorder. I mean, it just, it, it really, it hits so many different areas. So is it to say, you know, and I hate like anxiety, is the umbrella, right? But underneath the umbrella, it's what is it? And it doesn't show up the same for everybody. Absolutely not. And anxiety can come from many different, um, reasons per se, genetic, trauma, drug-induced. We'll never know why. I don't chase the why, I chase the how. How can I live through this? How can I manage this? And how do I live a fulfilled life? And I don't, I, you know, people think that because I talk about it so much and I also, it's one of the things I coach on that I no longer experience it. I've, I experienced panic last night. I'm, you know, on a different med and that's a roller coaster ride and it's hell. So I'm very open about the fact that, you know, we're, I'll always battle it. Um, it's going to be, it's a lifelong, you know, thing that doesn't define me, but it is part of, you know, who I am because I do have to struggle with it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and yeah, on a personal note, I feel it's, it's really, um, there's no telling when it's going to show up. 
you can't plan for that. I mean, even just this past week for myself, I was having like, there was a day where I was just like on cloud nine. I was like, things are going really great. I'm feeling really good. I'm moving in a great direction. I'm like moving in the direction I want to move in. And like, I'm, you know, feeling proud of myself, feeling good about myself. And then literally the very next day, it was like, you know, you have this like incredible pain in your chest and it's like, it feels like it's so crippling. And you're like, this is like, it's like right in here. I know. And it's different for everybody, but for me, it was just like, and it's just so heavy where you almost like even need to like press on the center of your chest to be like, oh my God, like it's like a balloon. You want to freaking pop. Um, and, and I'm just walking through the streets. And like, for me, like, I just remind myself, like, the same way I felt like I was on top of the world yesterday, like the very next day, you can feel like your entire world is crashing down and like, it's okay. And it's right. okay to not be okay all the time. It's always okay. Especially in this, you know, world that we're living in that's so unknown. Um, yeah. It's, it, 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 it's filled with anxiety, right? Like mm-hmm. nobody really knows what's going to happen, how this will pan out, will this alleviate? And people are starting to navigate going back to an office or staying at home. And we've adapted, right, to what this pandemic was. And now we have to readapt. And that that produces a whole other set of anxieties. And it'll never look the same. So I understand one day you're on top of the world and the next day you get slammed by a Mack truck, right? And you, you have to just say, you know what? And I always say this to people, let's just try to manage anxiety nine out of 10 times, but one time it's going to get the best of us and allow that to happen and Mm -hmm. move through it peacefully, give yourself what you need, stay in that space for 24 hours. And then when you wake up the next day, let's go, right? It's not, it's a new day. You have more choices. And I don't reflect on how bad something was the day before because it can change. We owe, there's always options, right? There's always options. Yeah. And it's about being kind to ourselves and being gentle with ourselves and granting ourselves grace. Right. So it's like, if you're in the middle of something and like really, truly wholeheartedly, what you need is just to crawl into bed and like be there. Like, well then like, that's what you got to do. You know, like sometimes that happens. I love what you said. Just wake up the next day and do your best to hit the reset button and say, okay, like now we're up, we're going, we're going to do this um, and live life. Uh, but, you know, you mentioned a couple of times that you're not ashamed to say that you, you know, you're on meds, you take different medications, but I saw something that I loved on your Instagram, which is uh, the number one question that people ask you is what medications do you take? And it is a question that you do not publicly answer. And I'd love to hear why, because I think, um, as I saw on your Instagram, I totally, I love what you have to say around that. So, <laughs> so I never, the thing about anxious people is we want to know, what are you taking? Cause if you're okay, I'll be okay. And we attach, right. It's almost like when we get anxious, we have to phone a friend. Am I okay? Tell me I'm okay. Am I, do you think I'm going to be okay? And we're always looking for something outside to either reassure us or to let us know that this is going to work because we are made up of so much different DNA. You know, no two people are alike. We're like snowflakes. That's why meds are so tricky because it has to align with your body, with your you know, your chemical makeup. So I never tell people what I take because it doesn't matter. It could work for me. It cannot work for you. Just, and I also have a very 
interesting condition where my body is so sensitive that I react opposite to certain meds. So melatonin, most people take it to go to bed and to calm down. It will send me in a cosmic size 10 panic attack. Not sure why. Yeah. And I can't take CBD at night. It gives me too much energy. I have to take it in the morning. So anything that's meant to stimulate you or others, it tends to make me extremely tired. Things that make me tired or supposed to make me tired stimulate me. So I'm never a good a good uh, person to really uh, go off of you know meds etc. Because my body's going to be different. So I always encourage people to seek out a psychiatrist, get a proper diagnosis, and really work at finding out what med is going to be right for you and your body. That's why I don't ever. Um, give that type of information. I love that. I love that so much because I have a similar approach to just being in the health uh, and fitness industry. Um, you know, and I just recorded a podcast recently with um, someone in like the, the, the food space, but I will never answer the question of what do you eat in the day? <laughs> like, no, why? Like what is, what works for, to fuel my body is totally different than what's going to work to fuel someone else's body. And like, also it's, it's like, well, you look, like you said, it's like, well, you look like you're okay. And you look like it's working for you. So I want to, I want it to work for me too. Like, and that, that also like, it just feeds into this idea that there's like a perfect person or what you see on the outside is perfection. Or, you know, like if I take those meds, I can be as successful as she she is. Or if I eat that food, I can, you know, look like so-and-so or, you know what I mean? It's like, you have to just troubleshoot your own body, troubleshoot your own mind. Um, and really like take care to like do those things instead of trying to, you know, that's like, it's like trying to hit the easy button and, and, and that doesn't work for anybody in anything. Everybody wants a stapled easy button. I mean, yeah. wouldn't the world be so much easier? Yeah. It's like a quick fix, right? Like, I don't want to feel this. Take it away. Give me the magic pill. The magic pill also takes time. It never, it, you, the time to adapt to a med is longer than people think. And it's not easy. None of it's easy. You know, mental health is really, really tricky, which is why there's never just one cure like, oh, take this and you'll never be anxious or panic again in life. Okay. We would all be so chill, you know, we would be the chillest people. That's not, uh, that's not reality. So I just try to always keep it real and keep it 100, no matter what, because I, there's no, I'm not trying to pretend like there's anything that's going to take away from actually doing the work, right? Like there's so much work that needs to go into figuring out your mental health and what makes you happy um, and how to get grounded, right? Like right. everybody has a different bag of tricks and you need to do the work. hundred percent. And you can't just put a bandaid over it. Plain and simple cannot just put a bandaid over it. Um, and so, you know, something you've been kind of more open about as well on your Instagram beyond dealing with stress and anxiety, um, and coping with it rather, um, is your recent, not recent choice, your choice and how other women perceive your choice, um, at, as a 30, 43 year old woman, uh, to not have kids and what other women have to say about that. Um, and so, I feel like you're like the queen of breaking down barriers and stigmas and being like, 
it's okay to have anxiety, but it's also okay if you are someone who chooses to not have children. And so you've been kind of speaking on that a little bit more um, as of late. So I'd love to hear your perspective on that. So I grew up, I had a very dynamic upbringing. Um, My parents are Guatemalan, they're immigrants. I lived with a very wealthy Jewish family in an affluent area in Long Island. Um, My godparents were, one of them was from Texas. So like my whole world has always been very interesting to say the least. My dad never had uh, any boys. There's just two of us, me and my sister. But growing up, my dad had always always said, you know, you can do whatever you want. Don't let anybody push you down. Doesn't matter that you're a girl. Doesn't matter what your skin color. Like he really, and these are, you know, my parents are very uneducated. They can't really even read or write. Um, And I just, I took that and I ran with it. And then he gets, you know, he got frustrated when I was like 38 and was like, when are you going to get married? I was like, you made this, this is, this is you. So don't come at me now saying, you know, where is it? So it's funny. So I feel like I got a lot of that confidence um, from him just allowing me to be exactly who I am. And he said, I don't care how much money you're making. You're not happy. Get out. Get out. You can do anything. And I really followed that. And I and I felt it. And then when it came to when I met my husband, I didn't even think I'm I didn't think marriage was really in the cards for me. And I told my parents, look, I, you know, I just have I might just have a lot of suitors that you'll meet. And they were like, I Patricia. But then I met my husband. We got uh, married and both. And I guess in my early 30s, I did mm-hmm. really want children because I didn't want to figure out my career. And I knew that I wanted to marry this guy I was dating, have a kid. And like, that's what I was going to do. And that was going to be my success. As I got older and built my own, my own practice and started doing things that really fueled my passion. I just thought, what, no, I'm one. I don't feel uh, as though I have the energy Two, it's taking me this long to get on top of my mental health, to get to this place in my life. I can't throw myself into, you know, a situation with hormones and babies and that type of anxiety. I know me. I know me better than anybody on this planet as I should, right? So Mm -hmm. the children were just not for me anymore. And my husband was like, great, I'll have a baby if you want. I won't have a baby if you want, whatever. He's very, you know, aloof about that. And I said, you know, let's foster. Like I'm open to fostering. I would love to foster. So that then became what our plan hopefully will be. And I think with social norms, it's just what people say. And it's actually not the women. It's the men that are consistently asking me, when are you going to have a baby? When are you going to have a baby? So, because my, (laughs) I know. And, you know, and I really, and I, I just, I find it so offensive that we can't mindfully talk to people. And it goes for even women that are single. Like we don't need to ask them all the time. So who are you dating? Who are you dating? It's none of our business. If they want to tell you, they will. If they have something to share, they will. You know, if, if couples are trying for a baby, don't keep asking them, how's it going? Well, do you see a baby in her hand? So stop asking, right? Like, why can't we just be more mindful when we're asking people questions? It just doesn't, it doesn't feel good to the person you're asking, even if it comes from a good place, 
right? right? Even if you're trying to make small talk or you're trying to catch up, it might really hurt the other person and put more pressure on them. Like, oh my God, should I make up a boyfriend just so people don't feel bad for me? Do I have to go into my baby story if we can't conceive? And, and for someone like me, I, you know, when people say, are you going to have a baby? No. Why? Because I don't want one. Like that's, that's as far as it goes. Like, that's it. I don't know what else to tell you. Right. So I just think, and especially because I've never gotten, um, you know, I, I don't know, it just, it's become so prominent now when people see us because we've gotten married and I, I just hope that we can change that and allow people to just be. And if you want to choose to have a kid, great, do it. If you don't, amazing. We'll celebrate you either way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. We'll celebrate you either way. And that reminds me to this, like, I had this like horribly triggering moment that I will never forget. I was at a family reunion. This was, gosh, now it's been, I don't know, maybe four years ago. I don't know, but I was at a family reunion and I was single at the time and feeling, I was like in the thick of my like singleness. And it was, you know, I was like at that place where I was like, I don't know if I'm ever going to find love. I don't know if anyone's going to love me. Maybe there's something wrong with me. And these are like my internal thoughts, right? That I'm just, I'm going through on my own. And the world doesn't necessarily, like my close friends knew, but like, you know, people didn't know that I was internalizing all of that and like really just feeling so deflated, defeated, all of it about being single and wanting to find someone and feeling like everyone around me had found someone. And like I said, like there was really something wrong with me. So I get to this family reunion and I see my cousin, Don, and he's older. Um, he's like, he's like one of those uncle cousins. Like, you know, you got family that are like, you don't even know exactly how you're related, but it's like, it's, we call him uncle Don. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. So I see like cousin, uncle Don, whatever. And I'm like, oh, Hey, it's been like such a long time since I've seen you. Like, you know, we, you know, hugs, kiss on the cheek. How are you? And he's like, I would have thought you'd been married we had, and had two kids by now. I remember my jaw dropped to the ground. I was so triggered. I was just like, that's the first thing you have to say to me. I haven't seen you in so many years. And that is the first thing you have to say to me. You would have thought I'd be married and had two kids by now. Like, like that was your, that's what your accomplishment should be. Right. Like, right. My contributions to the world. Correct. Yeah. Right. I'm it's all, it's very, it's, it's old fashioned. It's an old way of thinking. It makes the recipient of that question feel badly about themselves. Yeah, I was like, well, no, actually, Uncle Cousin Don, I have not achieved that in my life yet. And like, I'm working really, really hard. And actually, I feel like shit every day of the week because it's not working out right now. So, like, thanks for pointing that out, Cousin Uncle Don. <laughs> like, Hope you're listening, Cousin Uncle Don. We got to yeah. work on your on your etiquette. <laughs> Yeah. I'm like, anyways, it's, it's a real discussion. Um, and it's something that we need to change, you know, and especially as women too, it's also, you know, what I think our default is when you're speaking to someone who's single, it's like your go-to, but trust me, when has a girlfriend ever met a guy and decided not to talk about it? (laughs) That doesn't happen. They'll tell you. 
you know? I like that a lot. Like, let them bring it up. Let them say, like, that means they want to talk to you about it, right? Instead of asking those questions. Because I think I even do that. I have to I have to say, I enjoy that perspective so much because I'll be like, so how's dating going? Because you want to be genuinely interested in what, in someone's life. And you know that that's something that they, you know, care about or are working towards or has been a, um, you know, a source of frustration maybe, or, or you know, childbearing. Um, but you also just don't know where you're going to catch somebody, right? So like right. the conversation we were just having about how you can be on top of the world one day and then be like, you know, walking around to the outside world, looking like you are fine, quote unquote, but really you have that deep, deep, like feeling in the deep, deep center of your chest where you're actually like masking a lot of anxiety, but you're still trying to show up in the world as like a normal quote unquote functioning human. Um, so I think it's also just, it's level setting about where somebody might be that day. So let them bring it up instead of you bring it up. You just don't know where they're at that particular day. Correct. And I, I get it. I, and I said, I made a whole post about it and about reframing questions to people that we love. And I've been, I, I'm a, I, I've done it. I've definitely have done it. And so now if you meet up with a girlfriend, we can always say, oh, has any, you know, anything exciting you've got going on? And that could be work that could, there's just so many other layers, right. That you, we can, we can touch upon, but I think that going directly to that one topic can be very triggering for someone. And especially exactly, you don't know what day you're catching them on at all. So I, I'm so glad that this is a topic of conversation because we don't, we are generally interested and have your best interests at heart, but it might not deliver that way. Right. Yeah. And I, and thank you for that tip of asking, do you have anything exciting going on right now? What an amazing question to ask. And thank you. I'm going to take that and I'm going to put that in my toolbox. I'm going to stick it in my pocket and I'm going to carry that with me everywhere I go. Because that's that's the greatest segue to say like, they can answer that question if they have something exciting to say. And they can be like, yes, X is exciting. Or they can say Y is say, well, actually, no, like not at the moment because I'm really struggling with whatever. Right. Super, really great advice. I love that. Thank you. Um, all right. Well, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. You are absolutely incredible. I have one last question that I will ask you, um, which is what is the best piece of advice that you would give your younger self? Oh, my poor little younger self. I would say younger self. Uh, it's okay to be scared. Uh, it's okay that you have a mental illness. You have no idea the, the gifts that will bring to you. That's what I would say to my younger self. I love that. I feel like you just gave your younger self a hug. I did. There you go. You know, actually, I do have one little tip that I, yes, that, I share. that someone shared with me, um, but I love this idea. When you get a new plant, I name all my plants. When you get a new plant, Name it after yourself so that you speak kindly to the plant, but you're also speaking kindly to yourself, right? So um, if I had a plant and I named it Trish, I'd be, hey, Trish, how are you doing? Oh, do you need some water? Here you go. Oh, do you need some sunlight? There you go. I just was like, this is so cute. I love this idea. So that's another tip for, you know, trying to give yourself some more love. I absolutely love that. And I have a plant in the living room that I did not name, but she's my favorite. It's a Chinese evergreen and I love her so much. And I think that she's the prettiest plant in the apartment. And I'm going to tell her that. 
so she so she has your name so you can speak yeah. to her it's all day yourself, every day Victoria <laughs> Victoria you're that. so pretty today <laughs> yeah like girl have you had some water you look thirsty let's hydrate you I love it I love it oh it's funny it should yeah maybe we'll be a new uh TikTok challenge well actually when you said that I was like we gotta get that clip I want to put that on TikTok exactly what I were in you're in my brain because that's exactly what I said I was like that should go on TikTok I was like I bet I am- would love that I don't, I have a, I have never aged into TikTok. Oh. I don't, I can't, I just, uh, yeah, I Instagram and then I'll see things from TikTok from Instagram, but I would just watch dancing videos all day and get absolutely nothing done. I would watch hip hop videos all day long. So for my own mental well being, I, I'm not on it. I love it. That's fine. Totally fine. There's no <laughs> normal. So it's fine. It's exactly. all fine. It's all fine. All right. Well, Trish, thank you so much for being on today. It was so lovely getting to know you and to chat with you. And uh, thank you for being so vulnerable and sharing your heart. Thanks, Victoria. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. You guys, that was Trish Barrias. She was, to me, I think just so incredibly inspiring. Um, She's like super real. You know, like, what does that even mean these days, right? Like super real, quote unquote. But Honestly, that's just how I felt from her. It just felt like there was no, she wasn't putting on any kind of airs. She was just like, this is who I am. Take it or leave it. And I I really do think, you know, we touched on it a little bit in the episode, but there's really so much strength and so much power in calling out the elephant in the room, right? And so whatever that is for you. And so for Trish, like that elephant in the room is that she struggles with anxiety and so many people, that's their thing too. But it's like, no matter what your thing is, because we all have a thing, right? Um, you don't have to silently go through that on your own. You don't have to silently try and deal with it. Um, and I think also really the, the biggest thing for me is like the importance of understanding that so many people deal with this stuff. And like, you don't have to think that there's something wrong with you or that you're broken or that you know, that somehow like everybody else has all of this under control and that why can't you juggle the same amount of things that other people can juggle without feeling maybe broken down at times with the stress that comes along with just being a human being, right? The thing is like, everybody deals with it. Some people hide it better than others, right? And so is that a badge of honor if you hide it better than other people? Like, I don't think so. I personally don't think that's much of a badge of honor. So let's own our shit, right? Let's call out our individual elephants in the room. And I think life becomes a whole lot more beautiful when we can figure out how to do that. Um, Beyond that, I loved her perspective and take on really just like questions that are appropriate to ask and questions that are inappropriate to ask. And just like putting our thinking cap on to like kind of check ourselves to say like, okay, well, is what I'm about to ask potentially something that could be offensive or triggering or, you know, like just not knowing where somebody's at that day. Um, so all some really, really good, just food for thought all the way around. Uh, biggest takeaway, call out your elephant in the room. Boom. Yeah. So you can follow Trish, you guys, and please do, cause she shares lots of amazing content, um, at T Barillas. So that's B A R I L L A S. So at T-B-A-R-I-L-L-A-S. And you know the drill. I say it every single every single time. But please follow me at Victoria Brown, at Very Best Self, the pod handle. Give us five stars. Please write a review. You have no idea how much it helps um, in this process. And subscribe. 
And beyond that, like I say it every week, but thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. It does not go unnoticed and I appreciate you. That's all. So have a kick-ass, whatever day it is that you are listening to this and uh, I'll see you next Tuesday and enjoy your week. Yeah, TTYL, be be out. Go be your very best self. 